Cousin with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go off and running on this, the 26th day of October 2023. This is the horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live. Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. All time zones in between and the great globe round. And whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. If you're a member of the podcasting portion of the Horn Family Community Congregation, thanks for sharing your precious finite time that way. And please remember to like and subscribe to the program and the podcast. And maybe leave the occasional comment so others can see how much you enjoy being uh, part of the community. It really does help. Tell your friends and neighbors, etc., 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 if you are listening live, however, uh, you can uh, pop by the aforementioned Mary Wacky Zany, etc., and be greeted by the early arrivers, the folks there long before the tardy bell. And that means, uh, well, Squeaky is waiting for you. And others will be along presently. Uh, uh, Standing and Theo have uh, left. I don't know if they'll be coming back. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Irish Dave said uh, yesterday the chat room was being kind of weird and twitchy. So uh, we shall see. But at any rate, however you listen to the program, I'm glad that you are part of this little family community congregation because this is not an average, ordinary radio program. This is a. This is a community. These are people who come together with like minds and common goals, aspirations, ambitions, and have done so for coming up on 20 years. We have entered year 19 as a standalone Internet uh, operation, but overall the program will be 20 years old in February of 2024. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. Oh, hi, I'm Robin. Uh, every program here at the 
Thorn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so, as a consequence, thanks go out to uh, Emilio, and thanks go out to Routes. Thanks so much to both of you for being partial funders and sponsors of the program with your kind gifts, keeping independent, liberal, non-commercial, non-profit-driven, non-capitalist radio on the air. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, I gotta get the look. I gotta be careful. I really do. I gotta be careful about what I whisper into the ear of the universe. It was only yesterday that, and, and I've said it several times since, uh, the, uh, abattoir, the Levantine abattoir opened for business again. I gotta be careful what I say. Because yesterday and several days prior, I have said that I despise talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict for the same reason I despise talking about mass gun deaths in the United States. Because in either instance, it's going to continue, and no one's going to do a damned thing to stop it. And I got it, I got that reinforced yesterday, last night. Shortly after getting off air, I began seeing notifications of a shooting. You all know about it by now. In Lewiston, Maine. And... It was horrifying. We can go over the details, and I'm sure we will, and if you want to talk about it, we certainly can. Um, just a reminder at the top of the program, the toll-free number, the stress line, is 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN. And you can get into the program via Skype as well. Um, send me a friend request on Skype. Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. Robin Kincaid Horn. And I'll approve that. And we can, uh, we can chat that way. Either way is fine if you've got something that you would, uh, like to add to the conversation. by me but the first no, that, that as the horror began to unfold of at least 18 dead in Lewiston, Maine at the hands of a man who just months ago was in a mental health facility for having said that he wanted to waste a bunch of uh, members of the United States military 
at a base in Maine. Spending two weeks in a behavioral health facility. Got his hands on an AR-15. And went into a bar and grill and billiards pool area. And began shooting and then shot up a bowling alley. As of this hour, I have yet to see any news item showing that the murderer... I'm sorry, the lawful gun owner has been apprehended. And a massive manhunt is underway in Maine to try to find him before he kills again, assuming he isn't already dead. The CNN story that I'm looking at was filed 47 minutes ago. It indicates that the hunt for 40-year-old Robert Card is still underway. He is deemed armed and dangerous. He's a... uh, Certified firearms instructor. I don't know how one remains a certified firearms instructor after spending two weeks in a mental health facility having described hearing voices in his head telling him to kill. But it's Merca, ain't it? And apparently in Merca, you can be absolutely batshit crazy homicidally so, and still be a certified firearms instructor. And still be a member of the United States Army Reserves. And still be able to get your hands on weapons of war. Because freedom. Earlier today, I had a message from our buddy Reverbo, the human man, who said, uh, another madman with a gun, and the result is a massacre in a main bowling alley. No one is safe in this country anywhere anymore. Reverbo said that uh, someone he knows and her grandkids had just gone to a local fall festival, and among the various vendors was, of course, the National Ruble Association. God, it started out yesterday evening at about 7 p.m. 
with two shootings reported at the Just-In-Time Recreation Center, a bowling alley. Then there were multiple 911 calls at 7.08 p.m. about an active shooter at Schmengi's Bar and Grill. Law enforcement swung into action. That is, they went and they went to the two locations and counted the dead. Eighteen people killed so far. Uh, one woman and six men were found dead at the bowling alley. And eight men were found dead at Schmengi's. One victim was found outside the restaurant. Three other deceased victims had been taken to local hospitals. Uh, One witness told CNN that she saw people running from the bowling alley. And she saw people covered in blood. She saw children. It was about 8.06 p.m. when they identified and displayed a picture of 40-year-old Robert Card moving methodically with his NRA-approved Second Amendment Remedy Freedom Protector The vehicle was found in Lisbon, Maine, about eight miles southeast of Lewiston. A white Subaru. The shelter-in-place advisory was expanded to Bowdoin, Maine, early this morning. And that's pretty much the summation of the horror. Stephen King, the acclaimed author, had a bit to say earlier today. He said, uh, It's the rapid-fire killing machines, people. This is madness in the name of freedom. Stop electing apologists for murder. Stephen King noted that he had gone to high school nearby. The shootings occurred less than 50 miles from where I live. I went to high school in Lisbon. And he's right. 
He's absolutely right. I know, it's too soon. Don't politicize it. Fuck off. Maggots. Gun humpers. Apologists for murder, as Stephen King said. Raw, but candid, Stephen King made sense. Uh, then there's the clanny granny. Handjob Lauren. Who jumps right out and posted a shit on Shitter. Saying, sending prayers to Lewistown, Maine tonight. Know that the entire country is praying for you. Yeah, well, she's she's sending the wrong address to God because it's Lewiston, not Lewistown. We're sensitive to that difference in West Virginia because West Virginia's state capital is Charleston. But over in the eastern panhandle, we also have Charlestown. Makes a big difference. Know that the entire country is praying for you. Somebody said to her, Lewiston, should have stayed in school and spent less time on the gun range or in the back seat of a truck. A little bit more graphic. Um, a guy named Russell Drew said, Hey, Lauren, you can take your hollow prayers and shove them where your hand was that night in the Denver theater. Someone else replied saying, Yeah, groping for, groping for hope. Getting right to the heart of the matter, David Hogg, a survivor of the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and fearless, uh, fearless critic of our firearm fetish in this country, David Hogg said, but House Republicans won't do a fucking thing about it. And I think that's that's what that that's the heart of the matter. Because I don't care, I'm sure he's already offered up tots and pears, but Mullah Johnson ain't gonna do a damn thing. There is not a Republican in the Congress willing to do a damned thing to halt this madness. And you know what? It would have made a difference. If he'd gone in with a 45 caliber semi-automatic or even a 9 millimeter, fewer people might well have died. But oh well, right? Because, and what's his name? Cards. Right to a firearm is far more important than somebody who just went bowling, their right 
to make it home alive from the bowling alley. Because freedom. Forgive me. I am filled with vitriol, bitterness, anger, fury, and yeah, might as well acknowledge it, hate. Hate. There is no valid reason for any American civilian to own that kind of a rifle with that sort of a capacity. Capacity for ammunition and capacity to wreak mayhem, capacity to maim, capacity to kill. Not one reason. And Mullah Johnson is, of course, a fine, fine, fine Christian. <sighs> yeah. And he loves Jesus so much that he's perfectly all right. with uh, more innocent people being sent to his Jesus. Amen and amen. Had some notes today from our sister Cynthia out in the Bay Area. Scream it from the rooftops, Cynthia says. I would never, ever, ever vote for a goddamn fucking Republican, ever. They are the true face of evil in this country and I, and have blood on their hands and all over them. Filth! Just thinking about the latest mass murder on top of all the daily shootings I hear about in the news. Guns, guns everywhere and no one can be safe. Republicans. I hate them. Adding never vote for a repiglicon. And my last message didn't even get to this filthy Nazi rat fucking Mike Johnson pig. You know, I'm glad I'm old, as even if we are able to somewhat hold off these bastards for now, they never give up, and I fear they will eventually succeed in destroying democracy in this country. I just hope it's not in my lifetime. Have I told you lately how much I hate these people? And the sickness. Hi again, Robin. Hi, Cynthia. I bet you, Cynthia says, dollars to all the donuts this country can eat that there is no one or no thing the gun lovers more than their fucking guns. If you were to ask one of these freaks which choice they would make between throwing their firstborn child or one of their many guns into a raging volcano, well, sorry, kid. It is a fucking sickness. Yeah, it is. An absolute disease. And it's a soul-destroying disease. And it swish-cheeses their brains. The way they... Ah, oh, you know, the, those... The, I, during the course of, of, of to the, the uh, run-up to electing uh, a, a, a white Christian nationalist mullah to the speakership, the second in line behind the president, should some horror befall. There were references to 
I look up there on the wall and I see Moses. You know. A mythical hero from a Bronze Age culture that they think was a real person. The great lawgiver. You know, whose who's ten, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, which were allegedly given to him in that mythology, including, included not having any graven images. Well, what is worshipping fucking firearms and the Second Amendment but a graven image? It is indeed who... They are. And so here we are, 25 minutes into this thorn in the side Thursday, and a thorny one it is. And we're doing it again, because this here is America. We are closing the 10th month of 2023, and already mass shootings are running at a rate Almost two per day in this country. And frankly, the population of this country is a rounding error compared to a country like India or God knows China. I am not saying that their government is any better than ours. But they're not having two mass shootings a day. They're also not having two mass shootings a day in Germany or France or on Turf Island or in Australia or Japan. They're not having two mass shootings a day in Morocco or Spain or Portugal. They're not having two mass shootings a day in Italy. They're not having two mass shootings a day in Vietnam Or Malaysia? No. There aren't two mass shootings a day in Canada. If there are in Mexico, it's related to the drug trade and the cartels. Are there two mass shootings a day in Brazil? How about Argentina or Chile? Are there two mass shootings a day in Bolivia? But there are almost two mass shootings a day in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Matt in San Francisco, tell me you're an American without telling me you're an American. Well, last night I went to the bowling alley for teen night. While I was putting on my bowling shoes, I heard what I thought was a balloon popping, turned and saw a guy with a gun. So I booked it down the alley, dived into where the pins are, and then climbed up into the machine and hid there until the cops came. Yeah, what's that? Uh, what is what is that uh, phrase? Dim leader uttered back in two thousand four, or was it two thousand? 
<laughs> That's uniquely American. <laughs> now watch this drive. <laughs> literally makes me feel sick. And I imagine it does y'all too. But don't worry. Mullah Rogers, that man of God. Well, he's not going to do a damn thing. Let's just say that over and over and over. No Republican is going to do a damn thing to work with Democrats to end this shit. They're just not. I mean, there's other news today, and I suppose we'll get to it over the course of the next two and a half hours or so. But I'll be I'll be candid. This was one of those days when I think I would have been better off headed down the rail trail along Mill Creek and just alone with my thoughts. And I've been thinking all day long. I'm not gonna say anything. Although by saying I'm not going to say anything, I'm saying something, so I don't know how to... I'm not going to say anything about fundraising this evening. It just feels wrong. So I'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll communicate, we'll email, we'll talk, but that won't enter into the, uh, into the, into the conversation. Even in the midst of um, all of the horror, well, George Conway, uh, are they, is he divorced from uh, Skeletor yet? I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, the the woman who gave us uh, alter the the phrase. Alternative facts. George Conway caught a tweet from a congressman named Greg Stuba. Stuba? Looks German. Well, Greg Stuba is a real uh, floor rolling, snake handling, uh, head anointing, tongue speaking, evangelical goon. In January, Mike Johnson joined me on the House floor while we were in a deadlock over who our next speaker would be. We lifted up the speaker's race to the Lord and asked for his divine guidance. Immediately after the prayer, 14 members changed their votes. Now, did the Lord tell Kevin McCarthy to accede to a piece of legis uh, legislative rulemaking stupidity? that would let one member make a motion to vacate the chair and send the house into chaos was that was that Jehovah's doing too representing Stuby 
Well, all of this prompted George Conway to uh, do a rewrite of those aforementioned Ten Commandments to be posted in all members' offices per order of the Speaker. One, thou shalt have no other gods before me except thou shalt followeth thy orange Jesus over any moral cliff. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image unless thou shalt have purchased it on DonaldJTrump.com. Three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain except when thou shalt attacketh Brandon or thy rhinos. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy unless thou attendeth a musical production in Denver and need to give a hand job. Five, honor thy father and thy mother and burieth thy mother on thy father's golf course. Six, Thou shalt not kill, but thou shalt shooteth looters on sight, and putteth alligators in thy moat to keepeth out the Mexicans. 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery, but if thou shalt do so with thy porn star, thou shalt payeth her off through an intermediary, and falsifieth thy accounting records. 8. Thou shalt not steal, unless thou needeth to stealeth one moreth than a certain number of popular votes, or unless thou can hideth thy Stalin documents at thy bathroom in thy resort. 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Lol. 10. Thou shalt not covet, but seeth numbers 2, 4, 7, and 8 aboveth. Sounds about right. And uh, in the past... Mullah Johnson has certainly earned the nickname we gave him yesterday. Uh, he's a he he is a real live honest to goodness Lulu. He is a theocrat. He is well. He's he's got the same mindset as you know the Mullahs. and folks are digging around for him digging around on him, just to find out exactly who this uh, relatively unknown person is who has just ascended to the most powerful position in the Congress of the United States. Started off yesterday, of course, talking about I was ordained by God to be speaker. But he's also a podcaster. Like and subscribe. Uh, he and his wife, Kelly is her name. You'll recall that he said that la uh, in the last few days she spent a lot of days on her knees in prayer. Well, on their podcast, Truth Be Told with Mike and Kelly Johnson, Mullah Johnson said there's no wall to separate church and state. Instead, according to Mullah Johnson, the First Amendment was intended, this is a quote, intended to create a shield for people of faith. But, he continued... The sad irony is that over the last 60, 70, 80 years, radical progressives and leftists and atheist organizations have twisted the meaning of it. 
And now they regard the First Amendment as a weapon to be wielded against the people of faith when it was supposed to be their shield. You know, that phrase, people of of faith. It rubs me the wrong way. It does. It's kind of like when you see some dude online referring to himself as an alpha male. Because if you refer to yourself as an alpha male or tout your own masculinity, it's a pretty good bet you're a fucking poser. The same thing goes with people referring to themselves as people of faith. Well, let's start with that little verse from the uh, from from the book of James, wherein we can find the phrase "faith without works is dead." And these are some pretty dead people, or at least their faith is, because what they profess to be their faith is actually a political cudgel that they wield to beat marginalized communities into submission. But being a person of faith, Mullah Johnson and his wife Kelly on her knees, well, he's a liar. So he tells lies like this. See, the majority of the founders, having personally witnessed the abuses of the Church of England, were determined to prevent the official establishment of any single national denomination of religion. However, they very deliberately listed religious liberty, the free exercise of religion, of course, as the first freedom protected by the Bill of Rights, and here's the key. They did that because they wanted everyone to really live out their faith as that would ensure a robust presence, moral virtue in the public square, and the free marketplace of ideas. You fucking liar. You godforsaken hypocrite. First of all, the Church of England was not the sole and entire reason for the First Amendment. The First Amendment is not the First Amendment because it was most important. That's just how they wound up being numbered. The First Amendment could very easily be not quartering troops in people's homes. We know this. There is There, there was no preferential order of the amendments to the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment could just as well have been the right against uh, self-incrimination. What they hated, the framers, was the idea of a government getting behind a religion and using it to hurt people who chose not to participate in that faith. And they had lots of historical examples. Moravians, Anabaptists, Lollards. Uh, the Huguenots, the slaughters that plagued Germany and France and England. 
Catholics in Protestant countries. The torment of the Spanish Inquisition. The driving out of Jews from Spain, from England. And they wanted to build a country where that would not happen. And where people were free to worship as they saw fit or not to worship. I mean, I wonder if Mullah Johnson even knows about Thomas Jefferson's expurgated, edited New Testament where all the mumbo-jumbo and magic and claptrap got edited out. A robust presence of religion? Religion as the source of moral virtue? Religion as the driver of the free marketplace of ideas? He's insane. And remember, again, i got to be careful what I'm talking about here, because apparently, in addition to others, the universe is also listening too. What do I mean? Well, again, from last night, <coughs> excuse me. Mullah Johnson doesn't think there's room in this country for people who do not exercise faith. Mullah Johnson and his Republican colleagues cannot bear to acknowledge, for instance, that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and many others were what is called deists. We would call them agnostics today. There we are. And he has some advice on his podcast with Kelly. If anybody tries to convince you that your biblical beliefs or your religious viewpoint needs to be separated from public affairs, you should politely remind them to review their history, and importantly, you should not back down. Because again, as a lawyer, he was counsel for the Alliance Demeaning Freedom, which it seems every court term has a case in front of our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties, about how the faith of a bigot is more important than the rights of someone who is atheist, agnostic, gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans. And so they go hammer and tongs, whether they've got a real case or not, or they just made it up, to divide this country into warring religious camps. And they don't back down. Mullah Johnson has gotten around. Uh, out there, there's some dude 
by the name of Alex T. Ray, and, well, Alex T. Ray has a podcast, too. The Disciples' Voice of Hope. And there was Mullah Johnson in 2016. What's happened, Alex, over the last 60, 70 years is that our generation has been convinced that there's a separation of church and state. You heard that term all the time. And most people think that that's part of the Constitution, but it's not. Remember, I'm a constitutional lawyer. Now what we've always, what we always point out is that the phrase comes from a letter. It was a private letter Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association in Connecticut in 1801. They write a letter and they say, Mr. President, we're so concerned that the government is going to come in and encroach upon our religious freedom, our freedom in the church to worship and to pray and to share the gospel, to share the truth as we understand and live in accordance with the dictates of our own conscience. Mr. President, what can you tell us? Is this a legitimate concern? So he writes back and he says, Oh, listen, listen, my friends, my fellow countrymen, you have no concern because we've given you the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights begins with religious freedom as the first and most fundamental liberty that we acknowledge that was granted by God. The right of conscience, the right to believe what you will and to worship and pass it on to your children. He says, don't worry, there's an impregnable wall of separation between the church and state. In other words, the government is not going to encroach on the church and tell you what to believe or how to worship or take away your property or your rights or your right to get together and do and perpetuate your faith. And so he says, don't worry, the First Amendment is like a shield to protect people of faith. But here's what happened over the last several decades. That shield has been turned into a weapon to be used against people of faith. Curiously, uh, it is not capable of firing 60 rounds of... uh Deadly ammunition per second or per minute. That weapon he's talking about. But those people of faith sure have a lot of guns, don't they? Yeah. And then Jesus said, take up thy AR-15 and follow me and we'll go shoot up a bowling alley. So now, he continued, now they've convinced our generation because they say it enough, people begin to believe it and say, Oh, no, there's a difference between your religious life and real life, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, there I was last night talking about how, you know, he and, you know, Mike Pencil, Neck Geek, they talk about hearing voices, but nobody wants them put on medication. But there's a guy who's hearing voices telling him to kill people at a military base, and they turn him loose from the institution two weeks later. He gets an AR-15 and goes and shoots up a bowling alley in a bar and grill and pool hall. So they say on Sunday mornings, you guys get together, y'all go, you know, go pray, you worship, you go to your little church building there, you get your safe four walls and you do your warm, fuzzy religious thing, you do your touchy-feely, emotional, all the hand-raising and praising, you do all that stuff on Sunday, but don't bring those ideas into the public square, don't bring those ideas Monday morning to the workplace at the water cooler, don't do that because you got to keep that separate over here having heard separation of church and state. Wow. 
uh, this guy would put would pitch the first match onto a pyre with a bunch of unbelievers on it. The speaker of the the speaker of the house hears voices. Well, now wait a minute," he continued. The founders said religion and morality are an indispensable support to the whole republic. Now you're telling me I can't even bring it in just one argument in the public policy arena? That's crazy. It's anathema. Oh, really? We're down to anathema now, are we? It's it's opposite. It's the opposite of how we were founded as a country, and I'm telling you we're losing those foundations at our peril. God, I wish some not-Christian member of the House of Representatives would stand up on the floor and just call this toxic bullshit out. What, I'm just asking, what profit-driven business wants some gabbling, floor-rolling, tongue-speaking, serpent-handling freak babbling on and on at the, at the, at, at, at the uh, imaginary water cooler about how important their faith is to them. And so we come back to the book of James again. Faith without works is dead. The people I know who are Christian and are good at it scarcely ever mention it. Instead, however, you can see it in their works, in their actions, in their compassion, in their dedication to those Matthew 25 principles of feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, clothing, clothing the naked, healing the sick, visiting those in prison. Those people become rather obvious without being obnoxious. And they are so, so, so entirely rare. Damn near unicorns. So according to Mullet Johnson, separation of church and state protects him and other people like him from being interfered with by the government. It does not, however, prevent him and people like him from annoying the living shit out of normal people. And in this one instance, normal is far more than just a setting on a dryer. Uh, back to Stuby. Darlene in Connecticut says, yeah, pronounce Stuby. He's the jackhole who took the ugly duckling dive off a ladder earlier this year. Oh, my God, that's him. Stay off the ladders and the bicycles. How'd all that praying work out up there, you know, with a... With a, with a, with a sick, you know, with a, with a 12 pack of, uh, PBR in him, rooting around in the gutters. 
I wonder what Christian phrase he uttered as he went off the ladder. Thank you for the reminder, Darlene. Yeah, Greg Stubbe of Florida. Uh, Ralph's asking, is Mullah Johnson's people of faith like Amy Cobit, Co, uh, Amy Cobit Barrett's people of praise? I, 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 well, I, I think in the case of Mullah Johnson, it's just a sort of generalized, uh, grouping. Whereas people of praise is a weird ass, actual no kidding cult in which a member of the Supreme Court of the United States, a justice on the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, has been a member and a high-ranking member because she rose to the highest level of, you know, a woman can reach in that organization, the rank of handmaid. Uh, Christopher in Oregon. Hey, Christopher. Wife Kelly on her knees and hubby scary speaker Mullis Sticky Johnson... These folks make Mike still unhung pencil neck and mother look like heathens. Get ready for Gilead, y'all. Need to win in 2024 sweeping everything or in the immortal words of our beloved Scott, we're all screwed, Robin. Get mad and stay mad. Get scared and stay scared. Because this freak would gladly dissolve the solemn and sacred unions entered into by same-sex couples all over this country. They're not kidding. They would do it in a heartbeat, and I guarantee you somewhere deep in the fetid bowels of the Alliance demeaning freedom, they're ginning up a case, making up a plaintiff, or make it, make, make it, making up a party. They're dragging hundred dollar bills through hollers looking for some, looking for plaintiffs. So they can follow the dictate of Fappy Thomas in his concurrence to Dobbs versus Jackson women's health when he said, no really, Bring me all the substantive due process cases, and we will get rid of that shit because substantive due process ain't real. Except where my marriage is concerned. Ginsurrectionist, you little mink with your tail on fire. Stephen, New York, Faith Without Works. A friend of mine used to quote St. Francis who said this, Preach often. Use words if necessary. This is the very essence of doing Matthew 25 and letting your works speak for themselves. Devoutly to be wished. Of course, if Mullah Johnson was really serious about following Yeshua, the brown-skinned Palestinian day laborer and semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life, he probably wouldn't be in Congress. Maybe, maybe he'd be on a job site somewhere helping build a house with Habitat for Humanity. Hmm? Yeah. Or maybe he'd be traveling the globe 
feeding uh, feeding hungry people in places where disasters and conflicts are taking place, like uh, with Jose Andres's World Central Kitchen. And lust, according to his alleged faith, is not a good thing. But he had enough lust in his heart to lust for a seat in the Congress. And he had enough lust in his heart that even though he's still wet behind the ears and has never so much as chaired a committee... God, God told him to be Speaker of the House. Right. Uh, As Steve continues, as a lawyer and a Christian, Jenna Ellis blathered on about being a lawyer and a Christian, yada, yada, yada. Why does it seem to me I never hear anything like this as a enter occupation here and a Sikh, or as an enter occupation here and a Jew, or as a enter occupation here and a Hindu. Because it's not in their DNA. It's not in the DNA of their faith tradition. No, I will not. This is radio, Billable Rick. This isn't the, this is theater of the mind. Sometimes we have to fill in some blanks, just like Steve said there a minute ago. Uh, Billable said, uh, uh, Robin, can we please, can you please tell us what Mullah Johnson's wife Kelly was doing on her knees for the past few days? I've forgotten. Fill in the blank, please. Well, there was a two count there yesterday. Uh, my wife's not here. She couldn't get a flight out of Louisiana in time. I mean, this all developed rather quickly. Ha ha. Polite titters in house. Of course, she's tired because she spent, and and he said it this way, you can go and find the clip. She's spent the last several days on her knees in prayer. I I don't know if that was meant as a dirty joke for the other evangelicals to get, I don't know. So... (laughs) You're trying to get me in trouble. Uh, from uh, from Todd, you go, lady. Mileage. Uh, this is such a painful day for so many in America. How many times are we going to be asked to endure this? One bullet from an assault rifle can riddle, maim, and kill. Just one. Uh, I was wondering if you saw the NBA coach on uh, or uh, on Jehoshaphat this morning. I did not. Wow. Uh, Todd sending along a picture of his mileage display. Um, 18 minutes and 11 seconds. Eighty-one point three miles per gallon. miles total, 4.2 miles electric. Wow. 
Wow, where did the first hour of the program go? Well, let's uh, but okay, let's uh, let's check in uh, because he just rang in on the Skype line. Uh, our dear friend David in Oregon. Hey, David. Hi, Robin. Can you hear me? Uh, you're a little tinny, but uh, we'll we'll make do. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I just got home from class, so I don't. I'm not entirely sure what you've been what you've been speaking about for the first hour. Can you guess? Um, um madness, insanity, um, fascism, guns. Um, okay. Oh, the the thing that happened in Maine. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I. Honestly, the reason I called is because I just needed someone who's actually sane to talk to. Um, I'm I'm really feeling, I'm really feeling, rather dejected at the moment about everything that's going on in the world. Um, I'm not up to speed on what's happening on in Maine, but I did read the headlines. Well, they still haven't found the guy. The dead people are still dead. The maimed people are still hoping to not be dead. And everybody's uh, pearl-clutching and hand-wringing over, you know, A, why did he have a gun? B, uh, why didn't why wasn't he stopped from having guns because he'd been talking about wanting to kill people and had been in an institution for two weeks and said he was hearing voices telling him to kill people. And, of course, over on the uh, gun-humping side, it's all about Tots and prayers, and it's too soon, and don't politicize this. I mean, it's a script, David, you know? I do, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around how we got here, you know? I do. And it's, I can't, I'm having, I'm having a lot of trouble, like, holding it together, like, with all of, all of this happening. It's so upsetting. (laughs) It is. And you're not alone. Thank you. I I just I don't know how much how much more I can read about people dying. (sighs) And and but let's take a minute here. And I don't think it's reading about it's it's not so much a matter of not being able to. And I'm not I'm not disputing what you're saying or, or or your. Uh, or, or your feelings. It's not reading about people dying. It's the fact that it is unnecessary, and that it is, the, and that having the, this is this is where at least I run into trouble. You know, tornadoes come along, right? And tornadoes kill people. Hurricanes uh, killed. Scads of people in Acapulco. A hurricane. What was it? Oscar slammed into Acapulco. Uh, as Scary Jerry pointed out last night, there are some people saying it looks like Gaza. 
and that is uh, that is that is just a fact of life on this particular planet. But when it comes to mass gun deaths in the United States, David, and you tell me if this is anything close to what you're feeling. It is the fact that we have these as a matter of choice. We choose to have mass casualty gun deaths in this country. We choose those. Every Republican in the Congress and every Republican in every state legislature and every Republican on every city council, every Republican alderman, every Republican mayor, every Republican ward healer has chosen this for people who do not want it. Does that yeah. touch on, does that touch on maybe why yeah. you're feeling a bit raw? Yeah, it's 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 the senselessness of it that I I, just, I can't I don't under, I can't understand it. I can't it's just so senseless, everything that's happening. The senseless gun deaths, the senseless deaths of children in the Middle East. Like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm so frustrated. And there's only one remedy. Take, take, take that grief and channel it into righteous fury. Righteous determination. And do everything in your power to make change. I know it's trite, but there's that line, be the change you want to see in the world. That's why I came to law school. Exactly. Exactly. I thought we we were going to talk about how how to fix some of this stuff. And that's not what we talk about all day. We talk about... The least cost avoider or the, it's, it's just, it's, it's so disconnected what I'm studying in law school with everything that's going on in the world. And I didn't, I didn't fully comprehend before I came to law school that. I don't think anybody does. I, I, I didn't. I left a pretty good paying job at CNN because I was hankering for the hills of West by God, Virginia. And I had spent a couple of years in, 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 in major global media. And I actually hewed as close as I possibly could to what is branded journalistic ethics that said that I was to be objective and not take one side over the other, but just report the facts as the facts were known. And I did that. And after a couple of years, I was sick of it. Because if you try to remain neutral in reporting on horrors, eventually you will wise up and realize that that there is not an equal and opposite or an, an, an opposite side that is equally valid in every instance. There is not an argu- there is not a valid argument to be made in this particular case 
for why certified firearms instructors who are members of the United States Army Reserve who hear voices and say that they want to kill other members of the military and go to spend a couple of weeks in a behavioral health facility and then are turned loose should have firearms and should be able to make manifest what the voices are telling them to do. So that 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 was why I left journalism because I thought by going to law school that I could choose those I represented and whom and and, and whom I wanted to help. People who were being run over by big corporations, people who were being harmed by them, people suffering people being charged unjustly with violations of laws designed to keep them both ignorant and poor and incarcerated. Boy, was I wrong, David. Instead, I, instead I got there, and, and they got out the Hannibal Lecter bone saw, opened up my head, took my brains out, chopped them into chutney, tossed them around, poured in some rules and some procedural manuals and poured it back in, put my, the top of my skull back on, and then the only, all I was able to see were walking bundles of rights and duties. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling because I can't, I'm not accepting what they are trying to do. You know, to me. And I'm struggling with it. And then to, to see everything that's going on outside of the law school. Well, I will say, and, and take this, if it's even advice, take this as you wish. You're a year into it. It's a, it's a, it's a three year slog. The odds are greatly in your favor that you will graduate and you will have a Juris Doctor uh, diploma. What you do with it after that is up to you. But you are getting a front row seat to how this dysfunctional system dysfunctions. And only by knowing how the machinery works, and no one knows this better than outfits like the Alliance Demeaning Freedom, only by knowing how the machinery works can you figure out where to throw the monkey wrench to break it. Right. They want to break it because they are theocrats. They are no better than the mullahs in Iran. We want to break it so that we can remake it in a just and equitable fashion. Am I am I saying anything am I saying anything wrong here? No. Am I misinterpreting? No. I mean that's exactly why I came to law school to figure out you know why we have the impediments to change and progress that we do. And part of my frustration is law school is one of those impediments. <laughs> right. But you it's it's kind of like uh, by comparison uh, there are people who, and, and we see it in the Republican Party, the maggots. They want to complain about governance, but if you give them an opportunity to govern, 
they suck at it because they don't much believe in it in the first place. Whereas you can take these structures and use them to make life better. Imagine, if you, if you dare, imagine a Congress that takes, that, that, that long, long ago took action so that these weapons of war would not be all over the place in this country. Imagine, imagine a national statute that said anyone who wants to own a firearm must carry a million dollars worth of liability insurance. Or taxing ammunition and firearms sales to cover the costs of innocent victims who actually survived these shootings. You're going to know how to do those things. Right. And you will be the better for it. But the system itself sucks. Knowing how, knowing how and why it sucks though is important. Right. I mean, it's, it, uh, these are tiny little things, David, but for instance, because we all know that I have some little tick that, uh, with, with things that I see in the media that just put me up a tree. Like when someone has a criminal trial, and is acquitted, and some ink-stained wretch will say that the jury found them innocent. No, that jury damned well did not. Because there is no such thing as a finding of innocence in our system. There's guilty and not guilty. And, it, and, and that even doesn't have to necessarily have to do with whether they done it. That has to do with whether or not the state sufficiently met its burden of production and proof. But don't tell the pixel-stained wretch that. You know what I mean? Right. And then the fact that depending on how much money a person has or depending on the color or pigment of their skin, that affects the, the, the outcome. Like the, the, the kid that shot up the Rittenhouse. Oh, yeah. Herr Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's horrifying to know that whoever this, this person in Maine turns out to be, his finding of guilt or not guilt when he is eventually adjudicated is going to have less to do with the evidence and more to do with the color of his skin or how much money is provided for his defense. And then we've got these Horrible people that are going to pour money into defending this person. And we've got an entire political system awash in NRA money. NRA money that comes from Russia, who we know has nothing, has no good intentions towards us as a people. And it's, it's, it's the willful negligence of the Republican Party. Because I mentioned before why I'm trying to wrap my head on how we got here. It's, it's the willful negligence 
of the Republican Party in abdicating their duty to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and the people who live in this republic. I am going to beg to differ with you in one regard, David. Okay. And see, you can say willful negligence, and you know what that means legally now. So there's a reason you're there. But it is not negligence. Oh. It is not the failure to do or not do something that a reasonable and prudent congressperson would do or not do. Mm. When you get to the level of gross negligence, when you rise to the level of willful wanton conduct, that willful denotes conduct that becomes constructively intentional. And this is in, and, 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 and by, by doing nothing about the, 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 the gun pandemic in this country, the violence pandemic. David, that's intentional conduct. They don't whoopsie and fail to do anything. They mean not to do anything. And that's what makes it so much more manifestly awful. I, I want to tell you, you got a note from Darlene in Connecticut. Darlene saying, "Ah, hang in there, sweet David. Maybe give yourself a break from the news at least for the weekend." She's right. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll catch I'll catch the headlines over the weekend, but the best weekends I've had lately are the ones that I've spent in the kitchen. Puttering around and getting back into cooking and feeding people and making them happy. Making yeah. spaghetti sauce. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> today, today I did the second day skillet fried spaghetti. <laughs> and it's very good. <laughs> I took, I took pictures and everything. I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I want to post them. But, yeah, I, I am, as they say, full as a tick. Because I, I don't need—I don't need to be eating this much pasta, but I can't help it. Uh, but it's yeah, it's okay. It's it's okay to draw back. I think I think you know in this community, we are plugged in, and sometimes our outrage can become too much to bear. And it's 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 okay to step back, and it's okay to, you know. Now, what did Dr. Hunter S. Thompson once say? I hate to recommend drugs and alcohol to anyone, but it always worked for me. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about the ether, you poor thing. You'll be seeing the bats soon enough. Uh, but it's okay, it's okay to do that, and it's okay to also pay attention. I think I think the question of what's healthy is finding the proper blend. And, uh, that, by the way, you also got a note from Dave and the Blind. Uh, take a deep breath. We're all here with you, David. David, if I may step in briefly and tell you that I, too, am overwhelmed, but you called into the right program because our beloved hostess has, aw, Dave, our beloved hostess has a good ear and is always good for advice. She's always been there for me and for others, and I want you to know we're all here as a community congregation for you. And when you feel discouraged, let someone know 
And I advocate taking one day a week, I don't care what day it is, and step away from your studies and your other concerns and just becoming human again. This helped me greatly in college. Your buddy, Dave in the Blind, and fellow member of the Fraternity of Daves. Daves. The Fraternity of Daves. Yes, you are a member of the Fraternity of Daves. (laughs) Thank you, Darlene. Thank you, Dave in the Blind. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And uh, uh, then there's Todd. God, I, I love the way this community, uh, uh, saying you love something in, in, in a situation such as this is brutal. But I love, I love the fact that this community will reach out, will touch, will enfold with love and kindness and compassion and understanding. Crisis, says Todd. Seems like there are a lot of people in crisis right now. There's a lot going on. It's really sad, and as you indicated, it is unnecessary. Meanwhile, at the same time, we have a weirdo freak second in line to the presidency. Well, thank you, Todd, you little ray of sunshine. But you're not wrong. And uh, you might you might like this. It's not directly on point, but Scary Jerry sent in an epistle. Hi, Robin. Hi, Dave. You elucidate my exact words today. Heal the sick, feed the hungry, visit the caged. Be love. This is almost a lost message. I went on a mild bipolar rant about these things today and made two friends. I was called an ally. I have a new lesbian friend. And I got to state your case in general as a trans person. Because I knew a trans person. I got to watch, listen to the whole ride. And Jesus never said, burn the trans. I thought about doing a late-night video show podcast today. It would be kind of like a Zoom Johnny Carson show, adults sitting around smoking joints and vapes, telling jokes, talking politics, and reviewing weed. Wait, isn't that the Joe Rogan experience? Oh, no, well, they're right-wing uh, man-dudes. And keeping the movement social, our side, even though there are more of us and we are very isolated and hurting. COVID killed socialization and community. These are biblical times we need to take care of each other and fellowship, smoke, and maybe pray to whoever's listening. I hope there's a God. I feel something sometimes. I hope there's a point to all this. My voices say get some ramen and more Fago bomb pop soda. Yeah, see, those are the good voices, Jerry. I mean, those are, yeah, those, those are the friendly voices. You know, the voice that told me this morning, hey, you're going to make second second day skillet, Skeddy. You better get up to the wiggling pig because you ain't got no Parmesan, girl. And away I went. Those are the okay voices. And what I'm not up for is hearing some Christian tell me that he had a demon problem, the guy in Lewiston, Maine. No, no, those aren't demons. That's a guy empowered by a bunch of Republicans in all levels of government. But what you're feeling is totally okay and normal to a fault on all fronts. I need you to know that. 
Okay, thank you. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I, I needed to call in because I just needed someone, you know, that I knew was going to be compassionate and that I knew was going to be empathetic and that I knew was going to be there to listen to me, you know? And that's why I called. Um, and I'm, if we had more people like you, Robin. Oh, you don't want more people like me. Please believe me. <laughs> I'm too much for me. <laughs> but what we, no, what we need, we need more people like you, David. People who will look clear-eyed at the world around them and what they're working on and what they hope to accomplish and look at the system in which they're hoping to make those accomplishments and seeing it for what it is move forward in enlightenment. So, I mean, I mean, they don't want to talk about it, but I do. What, what, what do we do? How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we get this, these guns off the streets? Where do we start? Well, at the, at the risk of, at the risk of being a bit of a hypocrite, maybe we take some pages from their playbook. You know, they get in our faces of, I need a gun so I can defend myself when the jackbooted government tries to put its jackbooted jackboots down on my, my Christian neck next to the tattoo of the Bible verse that says, only God can judge me. I gotta have a house full of guns in case the black helicopters come. Or the fifty, or the fifty head of wild feral hogs. What? <laughs> that, that was a thing from a few years ago where some dude was saying, uh, "Well, I need an AR-15 because sometimes my children are out playing in the yard, and and, and I'll have to go out and gun down like and, and like fifty feral hogs will show up, and you gotta just shoot them." And bless his oh, heart. And bless his heart. Jason Isbell had a field day with that. He's he's so good on Twitter, or what used to be Twitter. Like, dude, if you got fifty feral hogs in your front yard, maybe you need to move or some <laughs> such. But they they're in our face about how much they love and want their their, their guns. And, 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 you know, maybe it takes having someone bold enough and courageous enough to stand up on the floor of the House of Representatives and, like in, in TV comedies, um, sometimes they'll break the fourth, it's what they, it's called breaking the fourth wall, where okay. an actor will look into the camera and address the audience directly. Well, maybe you break that, maybe some, maybe we need to start breaking the fourth wall or members of Congress who actually give a shit, need to start breaking the fourth wall in the House and Senate and trash that much-vaunted collegiality and start speaking in plain, unvarnished, unfly-blown, unadorned terms about what this means. You know, maybe... And I know this is hard, and, and, and it's probably brutal on my part to say it. 
but I can't help thinking about Emmett Till's mama. Uh. And how much courage it took for her to insist that her lynched son have an open casket funeral. Because as Mamie Till said, I want them to, I want people to see what they did to my boy. Maybe, and this goes beyond Congress, maybe the American people who get everything handed to them sanitized, you know, uh, if, uh, if, if, if somebody says fucking in a quote, our sanitized news media will make that either a blank or F star, 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 star G. So we can know they said fucking, but the delicate and dainty sensibilities of puritanical America won't have to actually read the word. They'll just hear it in their heads. Along those lines, maybe the American people need to see the consequences of the sick fetish of the gun humpers in America. Remember that Within the civil rights movement after Emmett Till, the Selma to Montgomery march was born of a desire to carry the body of a murdered man from Selma to the Capitol in Montgomery to say, this is the consequence of your actions and make racist white Alabama and the nation Look at it. That's what got uh, that. That's that's what triggered the events of Bloody Sunday at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. That is, am I just over the top, or does that make any sense at all? It does make sense. It it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe we do need to see just the horrific aftermath of, I'm thinking back to Uvalde now, um, of dead children. And it's horrible to say, it really is, but maybe we do need to see that on television. Maybe we do. Just to shock us awake. I mean, if you think about it, they ha- they they know how to go about doing. We warn you in advance that some of these scenes are graphic and may be troubling to some viewers. Right? Isn't that how they do that? Yeah. I mean, we know th- we know the power that even a description can have. And we know that a lie can get around the, ru- the world before the truth can get its shoes on. In the early aftermath of October the 7th, and we've since found out it was bullshit, uh, a, 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 someone close to uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu said, oh yeah, they beheaded 40 babies, and then the President of the United States repeated it. Hamas beheaded 40 babies. And then the White House had to come back and say, no, no, no. Uh, nobody here has seen anything to prove 
the allegation that Hamas beheaded 40 babies. And then the IDF said, oh, no, we don't have any evidence to show that 40 babies were beheaded by Hamas. That was the Israeli Defense Forces. And eventually it becomes clear that that was a piece of propaganda used to whip the world into a frenzy to support Bibi Netanyahu calling Palestinians animals and saying that it was a battle of the forces of light against the forces of darkness. I mean, that's that, I'm, I'm offering that from a journalistic, journalistically objective standpoint. That was just created to achieve a political end. And it had such power that even without seeing it, just being told it, and being willing to believe it, people were whipped into a homicidal frenzy. On the other hand, every time some teenage kid who gets a little too close to a fence and gets blown away by the IDF, they take that child's body and they march it through the streets so that people can see what was done. I don't know if that's good or bad. But it sure seems like saying, oh, well, you know, sometimes sometimes in America where we have the Second Amendment freedoms, sometimes, sometimes going bowling is just lethal. And, 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 and you hope, you know, you hope it doesn't happen in your community. But eventually, David, it happens in your community. Or somewhere near you. I mean, Lewiston, Maine? Really? Just a working class town? And sometimes, lightheartedly, I will mutter, well, they walk among us. But you know what? The Robert Cards of the world do walk among us. I see it all the time. I remember walking into my pharmacy back when we still had a pharmacy in my little dying town. And the guy standing in front of me it looked like he was headed off to the front the minute that he picked up his Viagra prescription or whatever. Because he was strapped. Had a couple of extra magazines of ammo on one side and his freedom protector strapped to his other hip. And I was just... I didn't feel safe. And I never feel safe anywhere that I see someone packing heat. Because I never know when they're going to go from being a lawful gun owner to being an awful gun owner. And the time that takes is negligible. 
And the results are often a lesson learned lethally. And so while we talk about Maine, one of the things that I noticed is, I mean, just sitting there and consuming and and trying to get the facts and have the facts right and, and, and be able to talk about it with some degree of knowledge along those lines, Maine, like West Virginia, because, you know, rural states, we gotta have permitless carry, cause, you know, you never know when, uh, uh, you know, you never know when a rabid, uh, when a rabid raccoon's gonna come out, come at you out of the brush. They got permitless carry there. In Maine. So, a guy just walking down the street with an AR-15, Across, uh, over his shoulder is no cause for alarm. That's just another day in Merca. The greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever in the universe under God. Amen. I mean, for all I know, maybe somebody went to that bowling alley last night with an AR-15 on their shoulder because freedom. And the story uh, I remember out of Colorado Springs, because I remember talking with, with Kevin about it uh, years and years ago. The guy who proudly went walking down the street with an AR-15 strapped. And people called and said, hey, called 911. Hey, there's a guy walking down the street with a, strapped with an AR-15. And all the only response they got was, And? That's his God-given right under the Second Amendment. He has a legal constitutional right to do that. And then he started blowing people away. He has a legal constitutional right to do that if his skin pigment is the correct color. Well, there's that. Um, and so I, the, the it's not often that I hear about anyway. Uh. Uh, a Latino man or a black man walking down the street with an AR-15 strapped to their shoulder, and I think that's I think that's relevant to be pointed out here. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to note that. Yes. And so I, I'm still I'm still struggling to figure out like what is it fear? Is that is that why? Is that why people need to walk around with AK-47 strapped to their to their back or AR-15 strapped to their back? What what are, what are these people afraid of? Well, let's 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 look at that for a minute. Consider the radicalization of the NRA. Up until the early 1970s, the NRA was actually fairly anodyne, David. They had been formed, I think in New York, in the late 19th century by some Civil War veterans who were concerned about the fact that, unlike the Southerners, unlike the tra- unlike the traitors, the people that the, 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 the men that the uh, Union sent into battle were, you know, folks coming in many instances, you know, they were coming from Boston, Philly, 
New York, Chicago. And they had city lives with city jobs. Maybe they were a blacksmith, a shopkeeper. And they didn't shoot very well. And some of them didn't shoot at all. There are some numbers about out there about how many soldiers actually shot. You know, whereas the traders had been tromping around in the woods and the swamps with their grandpappy's uh, squirrel rifle, and, you know, filling the smokehouse, as it were. And they were good shots. And so the NRA was founded to teach people good gun skills, and that expanded into gun safety and how to properly handle firearms. But along about the early 1970s, there was a political decision and a financial decision made to make the NRA a political advocate for paramilitaries. And this, in turn, required a propaganda onslaught telling America that this was a terribly, terribly, terribly frightening place. Now, bear in mind, when this decision was made, David, it was a real... horrifying event when a guy climbed the bell tower at the University of Texas at Austin and started sniping at people. And it didn't happen very often. And you never saw somebody packing heat who wasn't maybe an off-duty cop just going to get a loaf of bread and a jug of milk at the, at, at the grocery store. And there was nobody with a Glock on their hip standing in line at the post office or pumping gas. And we were pretty much okay. But the NRA is and always has been, to a certain extent, and got getting more so, a racist organization. And so, as such, with the social upheavals of the 60s, they used that, and of course, Bruga Bruga, the Black Panthers, Bruga Bruga, to terrify white people and to draw those Dixiecrats away from the Democratic Party and into the folds, the loving arms of the Republicans. Remember, LBJ said with the passage uh, and, and, and signing into law of the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act, uh, we've lost the South for a generation. And he was wrong. It was a hell of a lot more than a generation. So this shift in strategy for the NRA was part of the Southern strategy? Sure. I didn't know that. And it's probably, it's also, I mean, I, I don't know that you can draw a bright line, but it's probably tied in with the contents of the uh, of, of the uh, Powell memo. Take tax-exempt money, create tax-exempt organizations, and use it for political purposes. 
the NRA already existed. They already had all the structure. All they had to do was weaponize. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's within it's within all anybody listening to this program's memory uh, that Wayne the Peter, the head of the NRA, was saying the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun was a good guy with a gun. And then the goddess of irony tweaked him on his pink little tomato nose and. A uh, bad guy with a gun was stopped by a good guy with a folding chair. And saying that, uh, it, that, uh, this is a, this is a dangerous time in America. Well, it is a dangerous time in America, and it's been made a dangerous time in America by the N fucking R fucking A. And, so uh, the, uh, so by the, the way, okay, a little little historical update. Angelo in the People's Republic of the Bronx. Hey, Angelo, nice to hear from you. NRA history. It was the revolt at Cincinnati in 1976 led by an individual named Harlow Carter. So maybe look up Harlow Carter and the revolt at Cincinnati. I'm doing that now. So the reaction then to black people getting or black people finally being able to exercise their right to vote in the 60s is to prepare for paramilitary trainings and exercises and Timothy McVeigh type that 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 blows that blows me away. I understand. It's I mean the the, the ramifications to me of that are Was this an intentional plan? Yes. I have, I've been saying for years, you know, this program's kind of got a few years behind it now. I've been saying for years that the NRA's goal has been the, 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 um, how best to put it, has been anti-democratic. That they want an armed state, an an armed madhouse, and of course it's also very good for business, David, because the you know the NRA's millions have not come from uh, hundreds of freedom loving uh, gun owners, but instead from massive infusions of cash. From the firearms manufacturers themselves, and then of course to uphold that, they're going to need, or they would have, there would have needed Supreme Court justices in their pocket. Oh sure, but the other thing is, in uh, is in order to justify all the money that the gun manufacturers poured into the NRA, the NRA, for its part, would create a market for them. And the way you create that market is not by saying, hey, this is a really good target rifle. 
because the the the, the big the handguns handguns are easier to manufacture and cheaper, and so you have to create this impression of uh, a, a, a desperately dangerous America where everybody doesn't just need one gun; you need two. Actually, you need you need you need a gun in the bedroom, a gun in the living room. You need a gun in the kitchen. You need a gun in the car. Probably need a gun on both feel, sides of the car. And most who feel just like a big manly man by having this this weapon with you all of the time. Well, I try not to anymore, but I get your point. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that's another phrase I've used over the years: blue steel penis extensions. <laughs> Gun go bang, I get hard. Right? Right. Wow. I mean, you, you would be amazed at some of the, the, the and, and again, and I think what you're identifying, David, is that there, there are overlapping groups. It's one of the, it's another one of those situations that Todd so often describes where the Venn diagram just turns out to be a circle. Yeah. Um, over on, and, and this is a, a trigger warning, content warning. This is about to get really gross. <sighs> because I wander around, because I want to be informed on what these people think and how they behave, I see some shit out in the manosphere and in incel world. And I have seen on more than one occasion postings by incels. And we all know how dangerous incels are, particularly to women. I've seen postings where they have posited that in the moment of a mass shooting that the mass shooter becomes the biggest alpha male around and that any women who are in proximity to that become involuntarily sexually aroused by the shooter and I'm try and I'm trying to I'm trying to describe this in as ungraphic terms as I can because that's not how the incels describe it. And they believe that's well? Yes. Yes. And so there's overlaps from the manosphere and the incels. There's overlaps with the racists and the Klansmen and the Nazis. And they overlap with MAGA, the maggots, and they overlap with the Republican Party. And it's just a great big blood red circle when you get done with the Venn diagram. And thus Donald Trump. Ta-da. And thus... Mike Johnson, Mike Mullah Johnson. I mean, it was not lost on me because I remarked on it a couple of times. You may have heard it. But I found it noteworthy that not one Republican woman 
was even suggested as a candidate for Speaker of the House. Now, Elise Stupidnik is the head of the Republican Conference. So she's like number three in the hierarchy. But her name could not be put into nomination. Because, see, if a woman was to become Speaker of, of her a Republican House, all the maggot men peepees would go all limp. And probably never rise again. Well, that doesn't bode well for what's her name's presidential candidacy. The oh, Nimrata, Nimrata, yeah, yeah she going yeah. nowhere. For a ma- a woman shall not have authority over a man. Also known as propping up the patriarchy. It's real. If you could see my the stunned shock on my face, I, um, wow! I I mean, I knew I, I knew I was you know kind of naive, but I didn't know I was you know that naive. <laughs> I don't think you are. I mean, this is this just comes from a lifetime of absorbing information. For some reason or another, I do it. I think, um, I think they, and and I'm not fully that way, but I, I think the term is idiopathic memory. You know, somebody looks at me and says, "Forget about it." I'm like, sorry, can't. <laughs> but it does help in the long run, just in terms of. It, it, trying, trying to, trying to figure out why things play out the way they do. Yes, that's helpful because I've, I've been part of part of what's been so upsetting to me recently is that I, I just can't wrap my head around the mindset. You know, I don't understand how people can make some of the choices that they that they make, and it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then the more I try to figure it out, the more frustrated I get. And the more frustrated I get, the more despondent I get, and the more sad I get. And it's like trying to, I don't know, it's just trying, it's trying to make sense out of something that's inherently nonsensical. But I understand that there are reasons, there are explanations for their behavior and their choices. But at the same time, I don't find those explanations when I come to them, when I come to those realizations, I don't find them at all rational. Because they aren't. Just because people act in in certain ways does not mean that they are acting rationally. Uh, by the way, the, disc- the the thing that I talked about with the mass shootings and, and the incels, uh, Arnold said that's disgusting. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. It's repulsive. And 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 probably demonstrably false. 
Absolutely demonstrably false. But see, the incels are so brainwormed and so sick that it's true in their heads. Wow. I know. Um, so I come back to my original question, how, how do we move forward when people believe, believe that stuff, when people, when people believe shit like that, how do we, how do we make a democracy function? It's politics. It's activism. It's refusing to be silent in the face in, in, in the face of horror. I mean, look, I have a firearm in this house. I'm a hypocrite. Okay? I have it for what I think are very good reasons. The fact that I've had my life threatened. So it's kind of a whoopee. But there, in my defense, I have a firearm. It is not an AR-15. I don't have five firearms. I don't have ten. I don't have twenty. I don't have a hundred. But well, I mean, there are so many firearms in private hands in this country that there's enough for every man, woman, non-binary person, child, dog, cat, bird, fish in every house in this country, whether you want them or not. It's kind of like when the pharmaceutical company dumped opioids in West Virginia. One little pharmacy got enough hydrocodone to give a Jones to every West Virginian in the state and some folks next door. And that was not a shipping accident. That wasn't a logistical failure. It was, to come back to something early in our conversation, a very deliberate and intentional act. Maybe that's step one, understanding that this is intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, just for me, that is shocking and horrifying. And But maybe that's how we have to talk about it, David. You know, maybe, maybe it's time to say every time one of these things happens that they happened as a function of choice. That they happened because fat, dead Tony Scalia wanted it to happen. And with the Heller decision. That it happened because Mitch McConnell let gun reform bills die in a pool of blood and dust on his desk when it was sent to him by the House of Representatives acting 
in a responsible fashion. Maybe it happened because every Republican member of the House and Senate acted to make it happen. Every Republican president acted to make it happen. Every Republican judge, every Republican governor, every Republican member of a state legislature. And we're back to the list I did earlier. Every alderman, every ward healer, every city councilman, every county commissioner, every mayor, every precinct captain. So let me think about this strategically then for a second. Given that that's the case, given that that's what they wanted to happen, why would they want something like that that to happen? What is the ultimate outcome of that particular desire? What are they getting at at the end game? The only thing that I can see is a collapse of democracy. Uh-huh. If if in fact they want if they if in fact they wanted people to terrorize other Americans in the street, that would necessarily lead to a strong man, savior daddy, something, you know, quote unquote, uh, insert uh, hyperbole. Right, it's all terribly patriarchal. Um, Because they actually don't like democracy. They actually don't like the Constitution. They actually do not want the republic to survive. Given that reality, what do we, I'm trying to figure out what our move is then, besides just voting. Well, voting is, is, is what happens after Okay, a long time ago in activist spaces, someone taught me in one of those interminable seminars, you know, saving the world, one one meeting at a time. Um, but I learned some valuable lessons along the way. And one of them is that there is a difference between organizing and mobilizing. Organizing is what you do when you have time and you're working towards some future goal. Mobilizing is what you do when the wolf is at your door. So, in this case, it's kind of a hybrid, I think. And we have to organize. And people like uh, um, moms for gun safety, gun sense... Uh, the organizations that are led by the students who survived the shooting at Marjorie Stone and Douglas High School. They're, they are unabashed in their advocacy and they will speak directly to, you know, the toxic gun humpers. Uh, marginal trailer queen hates David Hogg so much that he didn't even have to speak to her before she came up and started screaming in his face. But I think part of what we've been talking about here is talking about how we frame the message 
how we express the message, how we talk about it among our friends. You know, be in advance of voting. Be one more body, one more soul, one more person who goes and stands up to end this. Go to rallies. Go to meetings. Help out with phone banking or or email lists or messaging on social media. So activism. Yes. Okay. And understand that with activism comes a a, a, a concomitant need to learn and participate in self care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like what I was, you know. Uh, what Darlene said, you know, take a couple of days when you need them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that we can keep, um, I'm hoping that we can keep the presidency and keep the House and keep the Senate. I mean, take back the House and keep the Senate um, in 24. I mean, a lot of what... And not only that, but I'm hoping that we can expand majorities in the states, um, expand majorities in the um, in, in the state houses, local local school boards, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about maybe running for something after I got out of, out of law school. I just don't know where to start. Well, and, and one of the, one of the problems is that, as seems always the case in activism circles on our side of the political divide, the other side has all the money in the world, almost literally. And we run on volunteer efforts. I've been a volunteer, I've been a volunteer activist for 20 years. A third of my life. Because, well, uh, that's, this is, this is the wrong time for that conversation. But, we have to, we have to sustain ourselves as well as be active and informed in activist spaces. They've got money and lots of it. All we have is our lives and our bodies and our souls and our compassion. And the moral force of our arguments. Well, yes, there's that too. I mean, I would, I would give anything to, no, 
That's but I would love to see somebody with some moral force stand up in the House of Representatives and say, "Well, here we are. We've had another one, and America needs to understand that as long as this body is in the hands of Republicans." Another one will happen and another and another and another because they have no interest in stopping any of them. Because, see, they will seize, make no mistake, in this latest incident, they will seize on the fact that the guy was mentally unwell. Really mentally unwell. Oh, he was crazy. He did not obtain his firearms illegally. Maine has something called a yellow flag law. Not a red flag law, but a yellow flag law. It's harder to, it's harder to trigger and utilize than a red flag law. But before any, any flag laws will work, you have to have someone willing to use them. For instance, the sheriff in Colorado Springs, because November is coming up, and the Trans Day of Remembrance is coming up, and last year, the Club Q massacre happened right as the Trans Day of Remembrance was coming up. And the guy who shot up Club Q was a parade in Pyongyang worth of red flags, and Colorado had a red flag law, David. But the sheriff had said that that county was going to be a Second Amendment sanctuary county and that no number of red flag laws would make him use them. And, I mean, so the obvious argument against that is then why do you want your constituents to die, sir? Well, I don't want them to die, you see. It's just that the Second Amendment it provides freedom in case the government ever decides to come down and put its jackboots on our freedom-loving necks. But you can't exercise freedom unless you're alive. So again, I ask, why Why do you want your constituents dead, sir? Well, it wasn't really my constituents, David. There's a bunch of queers. So you're saying that, so you're saying, County Executive, uh, sir, with all due respect, that gay and bisexual and transgender people do not deserve to live? That's exactly what I'm saying. It's an abomination and it says right there in the Bible. Then frankly, I don't believe that you have any right to represent the people at all. Well, you can just take it up with the voters, because they, by God, voted me in. I'm the high sheriff of this here county. Well, then that's what we'll just have to do. Bingo. I like that little role play. Thank you for that. That was fun. I don't get to do that very often. <laughs> yeah, little, 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 little known fact. Way, way, way back when they were chopping my brains into chutney in law school, uh, one of the, there was a class taught by one of my favorite professors in counseling, attorney counseling, how to counsel your clients. I never took the class, 
I experienced it vicariously because Professor knew that I had a background in acting. So I was always, I was one of the clients. And I'd get a script a few days before, and I had to ad-lib it. And my job was to make make the, the students, my, my fellow students' job lives, hell. Because all the clients were bad clients in one, in one way or another. Ah, bad's not the right word. It was, it's, they, 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 what the class was was an introduction to your, it was like introduction to your future. And what I mean by that is that, depending on what kind of law you practice, I mean, maybe, maybe it's different, uh, doing corporate, but, if you're a meat and potatoes lawyer out there in your little rented office with your naked light bulb hanging from a single cord in the middle of the room <laughs> and the ste- and the and the and the and, the, and, the, and the, the rusty steel desk that you bought at the state surplus property auction and a chair from the Harding administration <laughs> nobody's ever going to walk into your office and say, Lawyer David, I am having the best day of my life. Help me make it better. Right. <laughs> They're going to walk into your office and say, that, uh, uh, Lawyer David, I'm in some shit. Save me. <laughs> and you'll say, They're there. And, and, <laughs> And if say you're doing plaintiff's law and they and they lay out the facts of the case and and and, and your little your little legally trained mind is dropping all the little elements in all the little boxes and at the end a bell goes off and a dollar sign comes out you will the, the first thing you will do is sign them up. Get them to sign their releases and sign the contingent fee agreement. And you will send them on their way with your professionally embossed business card. (laughs) And several for their friends. And once they're gone and you see them get into their car and drive away, you will go back into your office. You will turn out the light. That air bulb hanging on a single cord from the center of the ceiling. You'll close the door and lock it to your ribby little office. And as my torts professor said so many years ago, you will immediately go to the car lot and price the new blue Buicks because you will have arrived. I'm but I mean, there's a lot of reality in that, and then the and then the most frustrating part of it is, in some cases, you'll get to the end of it, and you'll do the settlement, and they'll say, "You get that much? Well, yeah, one third." And they'll go, "Well, you didn't do much," and then they'll privately talk amongst their friends and say, "You know, I could have done that myself." I have heard it, but this isn't this isn't old home week and war stories or anything. We've been we've been at much more 
serious topics, but sometimes a little bit of levity helps. Yeah. Speaking of giant torque claims, this is off topic, um, but in I'm taking a um, energy and climate law class. Oh, fun! And one of the things that uh, one of the things that we were given to read for today's class was a complaint filed by Multnomah County, that's where Portland is, against ExxonMobil, Royal Dutch Shell, Chevron, ConocoPhillips, a uh, bunch of other um, energy companies, Valero Energy, Coke Industries, Marathon Petroleum, uh, American Petroleum Institute, for $51 billion, $550 million. A they're lot suing, of zeros. They're suing for public nuisance, negligence, fraud, and deceit, and trespass. It was filed in Multnomah County uh, District Court on the 22nd day of June, 2023. And they have a 176-page complaint about um, how the... oil industry, oil and gas industry, have defrauded the American public, and it goes through um, and lays out all of the different um, all of the different ways that they've defrauded the public, and they are trying to recover for the um, heat dome incident a couple of years ago that killed a bunch of people in Portland. Um, so this is the county, this is Multnomah County, uh, versus the um, versus the oil industry, basically, to um, with some tort claims against for climate change. So I just thought you might be interested to know that that's happening. That would be fascinating. Um, I, th- I think I'm reading that number right. Fifty-one billion five hundred and fifty million dollars is the prayer for relief. That is yeah. truly an ad damnum clause. <laughs> Public nuisance, negligence, fraud, deceit, and trespass. The, the trespass argument was actually pretty um, was pretty clever. Um, they're saying because they um, because their because their deceit caused increased fire damage. The smoke that they caused um, was trespassing on Multnomah County property. I thought that was a little clever. That is, um, or as, as the professors like to say, novel. <laughs> novel. Um, but yeah, I read some of the complaint this morning. Uh, it's 176 pages, so I didn't read all of it. But um, little light bedtime reading. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, damage substantial costs incurred in, in preparing for and responding to extreme heat and wildfire events. In addition to the cost to repair and maintain climate change 
damaged county-owned property buildings, public buildings, and in addition to the cost of providing health care, shelters, custodial care, and autopsies for the climate casualties. The county has incurred additional substantial costs because of the extreme heat events, wildfires, and drought described herein, which include costs of increased electrical power and potable water consumption, costs from the loss of productivity from county employees and contractors who were unable to work outside because of hazardous temperatures and or air quality, costs of training first responders, costs associated with employing and dispatching public safety officers, 911 operators and first responders, costs for providing health, mental health services, treatment counseling and rehabilitation services, loss of tax revenue, loss of tourism revenue, losses from diminished property values, Losses from damage to destroyed natural resources, including trees, wildlife, and marine life, crops, and vegetation. Losses from increased heat-related mental illnesses, increased violence, increased property crimes, and increased utilization of county health services in the criminal justice system. Costs of increased property, casualty, and disaster risk insurance costs. Costs of implementing nature-based climate solutions. For example, reforestation and drought-tolerant native plant landscaping. Loss of enjoyment and use of habitable climate. Costs of treating people with uh, anthropogenic climate change-related ground-level ozone impairment and harmful exposure to allergens, salmonella, and other infectious pathogens, and the increased costs of maintaining the county's infrastructure, such as bridges over the Willamette River and lifelines between the west and east side of the city and county, the cost of population displacement and migration and climate of climate refugees from southern states or nations. Yeah. The actual damage, they're saying, incurred by the county because of defendants' misconduct, which substantially contributed to and caused the extreme heat, wildfire, and other disasters described herein, is $50 million. And then they're they're seeking, um, and that was just one. That was just, <laughs> that was just one. So, yeah. And that was the just The proof one. of that. will be a thing to behold. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to how this plays out. And it's in it's in Oregon State Court. It's not on federal court. I'm assuming that they're probably gonna try to remove it to federal court. Um but I'm I I was really I was really happy to see that, you know, Multnomah County is doing this. They're actually trying to hold the oil companies accountable for the damages that they've caused, for lying to people about climate change. And what I find fascinating in all of that is that in many ways the same strategies being leveraged in that, um, in this litigation, Basically, it's the same strategy as the tobacco litigation. And I had a, I've had a couple of notes along the way. Um, uh, Jude says, what is it we can do? It encompasses a vast well of focus due to the multi-layers we're in, disciple, fellowship of the highest order, authenticity, care of oneself. Indeed, being of service for others is a major key. One views the world less contained and more open to let the flow of compassion and a healthy goodness manifest.
And Jude said, I'm listening now to David. What a transition back into himself on solid ground, so to speak. It's all about taking to, talking to and with another that offers perspective. I find this an incredible moment listening to you both and those out there. David released what was needed. And it's apparent that you care. Thank you, Jude. You're always actively and compassionately listening. Thank you, Jude. And I do, I do feel a lot better having talked to you for this long while, Robin. So thank you. Uh, and uh, thank you. Um, Flavio just wrote in with a little link. Ufda. Uh, That's one of those things they say up there in the upper Midwest. Ufda. Just in, Senate approves bill giving veterans deemed mentally incompetent easier access to guns. Because Marka. From military.com. Bill giving veterans deemed mentally incompetent easier access to guns gains steam with Senate approval. <laughs> the goddess of irony doesn't fuck around, you know? Yeah. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to let you go, Robin. Thank you for... Well, I'm glad you called in, David. I am very glad indeed. Thank you for for talking to me this long and helping me recenter and refocus. So thank you. Oh, it's always a pleasure, even when the topic itself is not. Right. Because, you know, connection and common cause and camaraderie Closing the uh, closing the gaps is ever so important. Yeah. So you take care. You take you take care too, Robin. And you be well. You be well too. Thank right. you for talking to me this long. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you, David. Bye. Bye. Our dear friend David out in Oregon. And. The, the rawness with which he expressed himself was genuine and painful. But it was the, it's the honesty, I think, that matters most. Red flag laws, Stephen, New York. Red flag laws are nothing but we're doing something blather. They don't work. They never will. They require cops to enforce them. Ergo, nobody will ever enforce them. The only way to impact our national homicidal addiction is a ban. That requires popular will. That requires us to take to the streets because elections haven't helped to force the PTB to do what we want. Powers that be, PTB. We won't, so they won't. As a result, we consent to their inaction. It is therefore our fault. The blood is on our hands. I don't know if we'll go that far. People continue to agitate and, 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 and engage in activism. Eventually, it will bear fruit. Remember, the central tenet of what Dr. King said 
when he said the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. When we talk about a long arc, and in this case, this moral arc, can also often be mistaken for a flat line. You know, like 18 people experienced in pain last night. A flat line. But there is ever, and sometimes it just seems ever so shallow. But it is a bend, and even the tiniest bend, if we recall our Euclidean geometry, is an arc. Uh, Darlene in Connecticut says, David Hogg started an organization to help good people like David run for office. Truth. Yeah, what is the name of the organization, Darlene? Um, in fact, I saw... Oh, gosh. Um, a candidate who is being backed by that organization. Was she here? Oh, some others. No, it was down in Alabama. It was down in Alabama. I, uh, Uh, the uh, Alabama's first uh, trans woman to ever seek office in the legislature. And David Hogg's organization is behind her. Uh, Clarence updating us. Um, the manhunt is still on for Robert Card. Police surround residents in standoff with Lewiston mass shooting suspect that killed 18. They're currently in a standoff outside of a home where Robert Card is believed to be inside. And speaking of speaking truth to power, Jared Golden is a Democrat. He is a member of the House. He is from Maine. He is a veteran of the Marine Corps. He lives, he is from Lewiston, Maine. And he held a press conference and called on Congress to ban assault rifles. He said, I've opposed efforts to ban deadly weapons of war like the assault rifle card used to carry out this crime. The time has now come for me to take responsibility for this failure, which is why I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles. This is an interesting, frankly, surprising change of, change of heart and about face. Because Jared Golden last year voted against an assault weapons ban. He went on and said, Humility is called for as accountability is sought by victims of a tragedy such as this one. 
naturally, world-renowned Senate Republican moderate Susan Collins uh, would not go that far as to ban assault rifles. She said, it's more important that we ban very high-capacity magazines. No, Susie, I don't think so. And remember, Card said he wanted to shoot up a National Guard facility. And in fact, his sister has now spoken out and said that uh, she thought he might have been looking for an ex-girlfriend at the shooting locations. Bowling alley in a bar. Well, once again, there's that Venn diagram overlap between domestic abusers, misogynists, and mass murderers. Hmm. I mean, I haven't seen anything that says he was a there was domestic abuse, but. All too often, women become ex-girlfriends for a damn reason. So, maybe we'll find out. Yeah, Ralph says that Susan Collins was re-elected in 2022. She'll be there till. 2030 at least. <sighs> Rob, thank you for jumping in. Appreciate it. It was very kind of you. And speaking of murderers, The guy who blew away a judge in Maryland uh, last week well he's dead 49 year old Pedro Argote wasted Circuit Judge Andrew Wilkinson, 52 years old, in his driveway in Hagerstown, Maryland. His body was found in Williamsport, Maryland, this morning. Found in a heavily wooded area, about a mile from where they found his car last week. He went out in the woods and saved the people of whatever that county Maryland is, the cost of a trial. It was a matter of a custody fight. And so he decided to murder someone. And he was a lawful gun owner, so, well, that was easy. And just so we can keep up with the stupidity, Marginal Trailer Queen 
has filed a privileged resolution in the House of Representatives to censure Rashida Tlaib because she dared to criticize Israel And Marginal Trailer Queen also said that uh, she incited an insurrection and somebody said something mean to me. The language, God damn it, the language of the censure resolution accuses Rashida Tlaib of anti-Semitic activity sympathizing with terrorist organizations, and leading an insurrection at the United States Capitol complex. Naturally, Marginal Trailer Queen called a press conference on the steps of the Capitol complex to to, to announce it. What it was on October the 18th was a rally for a ceasefire in the Levantine Abattoir. And it was not an insurrection because everyone went through the doors, went through the magnetometers and uh, in proper fashion. And they were allowed. But there is no law against being loud. Uh, no one was pepper sprayed by participants. There was no bear spray. There were no guns. No windows were broken. And since there weren't any maggots in the crowd, no one shit on the floor and wiped it on the walls. Rashida Tlaib, Tlaib, Tlaib did speak. And she spoke at the invitation of Jewish Voice for Peace and If Not Now both of which are Jewish peace activist groups. Uh, Of course, uh, the Anti-Defamation League has accused both Jewish Voice for Peace and, if not now, as self-hating Jews. Uh, They say Jewish Voice for Peace is a radical anti-Israel activist group that advocates for a complete economic, cultural, and academic boycott of the state of Israel. They said, if not now's criticism of the Israeli government has been extreme, including calling it a violent, bloodthirsty regime and alleging that it is perpetrating genocide in Gaza. Well, we can't have that now, can we? Especially not if there's a genocide going on in Gaza. Hey, Reverbo. Uh, Reverbo Reverbo makes so many trenchant observations. Some years ago, he says, I thought of a title to a book I would probably never write, as it's so hard to stay motivated at my age, at your age, that would be called The Monotony of Crisis. I think that speaks to David's issue, if not the entire Horn Family Community Congregation. Oh, that's a great phrase. Yeah, crisis fatigue, slaughter fatigue. You know, we see an alert come across our phone and it says, 
mass shooting. And our natural apex primate brains, the person, oh, really? Where? Oh, Lewiston, Maine. Huh, okay. Wonder where the next one's going to be. And uh, uh, Reverbo adds, uh, in regard, I presume, to Marginal Trailer Queen, really? How much more of this can intelligent people take? And the New York Republican delegation, as early as next week, will move to expel uh, George Anthony Santos. Oh, let's see. Who's our latest uh, obscure monarch? Uh, King Carlos V, Santos, from the House. You know, I just need I, I just need a list of monarchs or something. Preferably, the more obscure, the better. Anyway, he he uh, he was uh, not okay today. He posted something. Well, strange. Today he posted, everything has an end in life. And as odious as he is, some people found some decency and replied, you don't need to do this, Mr. Santos, or don't do it, George. Someone else just said, you okay? Hey man, get help. Call a friend. Stay well. I still think there should be a concomitant motion to bounce Matt Gates. Be curious to see how many votes it'd get. There is nothing quite like a mass shooting in America to bring out right wing stupidity. And oh my Jesus. So the dumbest man in political talk, that life support system for a haircut, Sean the Hannity job, uh, was in the process of interviewing Nimrata Haley, former UN ambassador who is so intelligent that she got bamboozled into thinking she was talking to the president of Poland by the morning zoo crew from Moscow 98.8, the vulgar boatman. And so making it all about him, you know, the slaughter in Lewiston. The Hannity job said, I can literally probably count the seconds. I don't think that's how literally works. Before an incident like this becomes politicized, and that part of it I never like. Wow. 
You know what's part of it I don't like is Sean. Can I call you Sean? I don't like the part where 18 people get all dead and chopped to chutney by semi-automatic weapons fire. That's the part I don't like. But then he said, talking to Nimrata and anticipating the next one, What's your plan? What do you do? I have a personal security plan. I train in mixed martial arts, said the Hannity job. I've been a big believer of the Second Amendment for a long time. With the prayer, I never have to use it. The Second Amendment? Do you own a gun? You're using the Second Amendment, dipshit. God, he is the stupidest man in political talk. He said, you know, Maine's a rural area, so I imagine a lot of people are going to have a lot of defense issues. You know, rabid coyotes, and I added the rabid coyotes. Uh, Nimrata said, we got to get serious about law and order. We need to acknowledge the cancer in America. That is mental health. <laughs> Wait, she, that was a genius talking to a genius, now wasn't it? We gotta say that the, the real cancer in America is mental health. We have too many mentally healthy people. Yeah. Sure, Nimrata. Sure. Real brain trust over there, you know? Yeah, I, I'm in mixed martial arts, so what I do is when they start to, when the when 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 the when the Second Amendment freedom starts flying around, I I roundhouse kick the bullets away from me because I train in mixed martial arts. Oh, you monumental fuckwit! But I love the fact that Nimrata Haley brought up mental health. Because that's the really sick joke out of all of this. You're going to hear mental health, mental health, mental health. They'll draw mental health like a gun for the next week or so every time somebody brings up the assault weapon issue. Well, it's because he was crazy. Yeah, but why do we let crazy people have guns? Well, sometimes they get crazy after they get the gun. Then why can't we get the guns? Because Second Amendment... You do realize that before the Supreme Court of the United States right now is a case challenging the right of government to take guns away from people who are nut cases. That sound, that's just so improper on my part, who are mentally unwell. There's a guy suing because he got trigger happy in Texas and like fired off a few rounds in a Wendy's or something. And he got busted. And they took away his guns. I don't know, in Texas? Or I'm a to. 
I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, but he's suing saying, that ain't fair. I'm nuts and I got Second Amendment rights too. You want to get? You want to guess which way this is going? We find that there is a long history and tradition in America of not being concerned with whether someone is nuts when they have a gun. Ergo, he gets his guns. So they will blather on and on about mental health, mental health, and but then if you ask them for one thin dime to increase access to mental health services here in the new 90 states of America, the greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe, under God, amen. They'll scream, oh no, what about the deficit? Because there is an element of truth to this. We are in a mental health crisis in this country. Your humble hostess pointed out during the pandemic that we were going to come out of it with a greater mental health crisis than we had going in because people who were mentally healthy would be absolutely devastated by especially folks working in mental health, in health care, who had to bear witness to the horror of it, won't have the services they need to even work through it. Lather, rinse, repeat, y'all. Mixed martial arts. Can, can, can you believe, I mean, people tune into that shit and think that it's quality broadcasting. We need to address mental health, the real cause of gun violence, Stephen New York says, which is why we're going to do absolutely nothing about it. Ambassador to Bonomo, Nimrata Haley. The one and so far only cowbell of the evening for a Bonomo reference, and you get it, Steve. Uh, Randy Radar wants to know, rabid mooses in Maine? What's the plural of moose? I think it's moose. Like deer and deer. But I must admit a certain affinity for mooses. I need an AR-15 because I let my children out to play in our front yard in Maine and sometimes, sometimes there can be as many as 50 rabid feral mooses in the yard. Oh, uh, meanwhile, over on the Senate side, let's check in with Tommy the Tuber, Coach. His spokes creep refers to him as Coach, not Senator. Might be a tell. Some members of the Senate are sick and damn tired of Tommy the Tuber's misogynistic Weird fucking hang up over military women and women who are in military families being able to 
access with military approval and permission reproductive health care. And so they put together, uh, Democrats have put together a plan that will let the Senate vote on over 300 military confirmations at once that Tommy the Tuber has been blocking in his fit of misogynistic patriarchal peak. Suddenly, Tommy the Tuber, remember, he's a military expert because his daddy got a Purple Heart in the Second World War. Um, he said, well, Democrats are preparing to send a resolution to the Rules Committee that would allow most of the 300-plus promotions. So the Tuber now says, what's your reaction to this effort? Tommy, the Tuber, had an answer. Get the hockey puck. There are some reports Senate Democrats are drafting this proposal to send to the Rules Committee that would allow some of those military promotions, which you have been blocking due to a policy that pays for abortion travel for servicewomen. This proposal would then allow them to possibly be considered. This is according to Punchbowl News. They say that you're aware of this. What's your reaction to this effort? We hear they're now even trying to gauge some Republican senators for this workaround to your holdout, sir. Well, first of all, they need to be worried about what's going on in Ukraine, the Middle East, the wars that uh, their side, the Democrats and Joe Biden, have created. But, you know, they want to circumvent the rules what? in the Senate. Uh, the- uh, yeah, no, you, you did not hear wrong, and neither did I. The senior senator from Alabama just declared that Joe Biden and the Democrats created the wars in Ukraine and the Levantine Abattoir. Democrats. So apparently those were, I don't know, uh, Chuck Schumer's Wagner Group rolling into Ukraine. Those were, yeah, uh, Dick Durbin's Tanks, Dick Durbin's guided missiles slamming into civilian apartment buildings in Ukraine. Hmm. Yeah. That was Joe Biden's Russian infantry going on a murderous rampage in Bakhmut. You know, it's, 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 it's hard. It's it's hard to listen to the absolute stupidity of a Tommy the Tuber. Tommy Potato. And not want to hold the people who voted for him personally accountable. Or at least make it known just how monumentally stupid not he but they are 
how goddamn dumb do you have to be to vote for someone that goddamn dumb? Jesus H. Christ. Ukraine, the Middle East, the wars that their side, the Democrats and Joe Biden, have created. You miserable fuckstick. Ronald Reagan really was right, Randy Radar says. Tuber's facts are stupid things. Well, mommy, facts are stupid things. And just one last thing, checking in on Nitwit Nero. Uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin's gag order is paused while... Uh, his petty foggers appeal it. But an ABC News report that Mark Meadows had been granted a form of immunity, transactional immunity for information that he gave to the grand jury last March. And that triggered Julius Geezer to run to his rickety social media platform, Tripe Social, and post a Tripe saying that uh, I wouldn't expect Mark Meadows to lie about the rigged and stolen election merely for getting immunity, but some people would make that deal. They're weaklings and cowards and so bad for the future of our failing nation. Well, Jack Smith heard that. And Jack Smith's team went in before Judge Chutkin and said that that's just one more example of why a limited gag order in the case is needed ASAP. Because, you see, Mark Meadows confessed to investigators that he never saw any evidence of fraud that would have changed the outcome of the 2020 election. And that, in fact, he, Mark Meadows, who would know because he's been registered to vote in two or three states at the same time, he, Mark Meadows, believes the election was the most secure election in U.S. history. In their filing on Wednesday, the prosecution in D.C. said that the defendant, Mr. Trump, is trying to use external influences to distort the trial in his favor. These actions, particularly when directed against witnesses and trial participants, pose a grave threat to the very notion of a fair trial based on the facts and the law. They went on and said that he has a long and well-documented history of using his public platform to target disparaging and inflammatory comments at perceived adversaries. When the defendant does so, harassment, threats, and intimidation foreseeably and predictably follow. There's a reason they use those two magic words, foreseeable and predictable. Those are magic law words. Having to do with causation. The uh, prosecution went on and said, with the 
gag order paused. The defendant is entirely free to assert his innocence, claim that his prosecution is politically motivated, criticize the platforms and policies of his political opponents, and level all manner of criticism at various institutions and individuals, including the incumbent president and Department of Justice. But his recent social media post targeting a known witness in this case in, in an attempt to influence and intimidate him. Naturally, the pettifoggers are claiming that his First Amendment rights is being right. Prosecution responded, the First Amendment, particularly when balanced against the bedrock values of a fair trial unaffected by external influence, does not grant free reign for the sort of fact-free, disparaging, inflammatory ad hominem attacks that, as the defendant knows, tend to provoke harassment, threats, and intimidation from his followers. Again, important, as the defendant knows, meaning he has knowledge of what will follow from his acts. They're setting him up for another charge. Goody. So that's the program. A hard program. Decidedly a sad one. Thanks, David, for saying what in your heart, turned out to be in the hearts of so many members of this magnificent, compassionate community congregation. Thank you. Stephen New York says, I'm, I'm admittedly rather dark tonight. I'm feeling rather dark right now. Since you're opining about mental health, let me just say this. I have no connections to people in the Middle East yet. I can't tell you how many times I've found myself tearing up and even sobbing just thinking about what's going on. I think my current darkness comes from looking at this and wondering if this doesn't make people sick and tired of war and death, then what the fuck will it take? Just typing this email brings tears to my eyes. Robin Hood is enough enough. I don't... I don't know that such a thing exists. Remember that every advance in weaponry... has, well, at least some major advances in weaponry. Are made with the thought of creating a weapon so horrendous that the next war would be unthinkable. That was the case with the Gatling gun. I'm not kidding when I say I saw one of those for sale over at a, a store in Beckley couple of months ago. Yeah, I think it was only like $16,000. Fully functional, not a replica. Loaded up with ammo and go to town, start cranking and go to town. It's not a machine gun because you have to crank it. So it's legal because Second Amendment. It was true of TNT, Alfred Nobel. He created an, exp an explosive so horrifying that no one would ever 
use it on another human being. We dropped the atomic bomb on Japan twice to end that war with the hopes that it would end all war. How's that working out? People may grow sick of war. Governments, however, tend to see war as a necessity to the achievement of political ends. Closest thing I've got to an answer for you, Steve. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon contributors. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Didn't mention fundraising this evening. Ralph's jumped in just the same. Thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Well, thank you, Brian. You jumped in, too. Thank you. So kind. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Roger in the chat room. Um, Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment if you wish. Thanks to those of you who do. Doesn't take long. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years. Oh, no. There will not be an archive tonight because... Memory failed in the computer, and even though I hit record, it didn't. Maybe it's a sign from the universe just to let this one go. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Maintain your social distance. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. I love you, Wayne. Later.